What the Health with Gabby Allen on FUBAR Radio. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to What the Health Show. I'm Gabby Allen, and you may know me from the TV back in the day or from Instagram where I share my favourite glute workouts or my baked oats recipes or my dog, Oscar, where there's a lot of dog content, guys. Um, And now, hopefully you know me for this amazing show. So each week we will be taking the time to dissect some of the latest fitness trends, separate facts from fiction, and of course, help you and give you advice on your fitness goals because we are here to help you too. Later on, we are going to be joined by fitness influencer Rebecca Bradley and Millie Gooch, founder of the Sober Girl Society, which I'm really, really looking forward to that chat. But first of all, without further ado, we have Dr. Milad Shadru. Is that how you say it? Yeah, good. Otherwise known as... The Singing Dentist. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. First of all, I have to ask you. Yes. How did it start? Was it with your rendition of, what's it, Ed Sheeran's song? Yes. What was it called? That was Shape of You, otherwise known as Save Your Tooth. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to sing it for us today? Can't remember it. I, I haven't <laughs> I haven't warmed up, you see. Okay, fair coming, enough. You know. And I'm terrible live. No. Um, so actually, that wasn't the first one. Um, it started randomly in 2016. And then I just, I used to, have, I've got a background in music. And obviously, I'm, I am a dentist. I'm an actual dentist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, I just freestyled one day in the clinic when the patient didn't turn up. And I started just rapping about root canals and how no one likes them to the song which was hotline bling by drake at the time oh well yeah, yeah everyone loves up. that song everyone loves it so do you actually do people now come to you because they hated the dentist before and now they they feel like you will make it easy for them to exactly go through that. it exactly really? that. yeah because i think dentistry has this like thing where people are nervous about it don't like it it's not usually a pleasurable experience right so because i've been able to kind of bring some fun into it and, yeah and it's educational and jokes they feel like they know me as like a normal dude so then when they come in they feel a bit more comfy. I think maybe because like from watching your content, you feel like you're just like relatable. You're just the same as me, but obviously a lot smarter. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, people think, okay, well at least he's just like normal and he's not like this really serious guy sat in glasses, just like yes, take a seat. Exactly. He's your green juice. <laughs> the you green know? juice. The green loves ju- the green juice. <laughs> yeah. So that's the stigma with dentistry, right? That's that's what people think. But actually, then there's a new generation of dentists coming up who are in this social media world. Cool. Of, yeah, young. Man. Honestly, the landscape of dentistry is changing, and also because more and more people are way more dentally aware now yeah. because they're more cosmetically aware they're more aesthetically aware so and teeth is a massive part of it on any kind of show nowadays people check for teeth what do you what do you look for in a bloke oh he's got to have nice teeth <laughs> literally it's like the second or third or first thing they say right so because we're so aesthetically aware people are seeking dentistry a lot more yeah therefore attitudes will in inevitably change well it's great for you it you're is best of both worlds now. Now yeah. you're a rapper and you're also a dentist, so you, you're hitting it from both sides. That's it. Okay, so talking about teeth, obviously, yes. teeth whitening strips seem to be very popular on social media. Mm-hmm. Do what do you think about them? Do you think they're effective? Do you, are they good for you? Bad for you? Okay, so teeth whitening strips. Um, there's something we have to distinguish between kind of proper strips mm-hmm. and what we can do in the UK, right? So because there's laws around the active ingredient, which is peroxide, it's a derivative of peroxide. In the UK, we can't use very strong peroxide at all mm. in direct-to-consumer products. From the dentist, yes, I can give you all the good stuff. Okay. But if you to go and buy it from a chemist or an online like over retailer, the over the counter, yeah, yeah. you can't. It has to have a specific amount. In America, completely mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. So there are these strips that everybody infamously knows and they like to buy from America. Mm. They're super effective because they've got like the proper high level of peroxide. They can mm. be quite sensitive because they're doing a proper whitening job. 
The ones that we can sell here, mm. they will only really be good at removing staining off the outside of your teeth. So if your teeth have got darker because you smoke or you drink a lot of tea or coffee or red wine or eat loads of curry and loads yeah. of turmeric stuff, mm -hmm. your teeth will have external staining. The whitening strips you can buy are good at taking that off. Okay. So you go back to your original color, but you won't get whiter than your original color. If you want whiter, then you've got to see the dentist and get the proper stuff. Okay. Yeah, because I've had my teeth whitened before at the dentist and that hurts. Yeah, it can be sensitive. Whereas at right? home, I'm like looking for that pain. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but you know what I no mean? No pain, no gain. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly, yeah. So that, that, that's the thing. And same with toothpaste, same with the other stuff you can buy over the counter. All the whitening stuff is only ever strong enough to get the external staining off. It's never going to actually change your color, make it whiter than the original. Okay, so for people at home, for the obvious, cut out coffee smoking curries mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. i mean we all love a curry but mm -hmm. like turmeric based stuff but is there any like anything that you would recommend for people that want to whiten their teeth at home apart from the strips what can they do so yeah avoiding the stainy stuff and it's not even like having to cut it out it's just reducing it yeah yeah um so that can help the the whitening products like i said they're, they're going to be better mm. than staining off the outside there are some home remedies that fly around social media and people talk about it like baking soda or bicarbonate of soda mm. or like rubbing <laughs> lemons on your teeth and getting strawberries and rubbing that on and stuff like that. Yes, they have acid <laughs> and they might be good at it, but they're going to damage your teeth massively. And same with like baking soda and stuff like that. It's just very abrasive. Mm. So you are essentially pumicing your teeth. You're kind of rubbing like the enamel away. Yeah, sandpaper. Yeah, yeah. You're just kind of scratching the surface, which actually can be very damaging. Mm. And then there's the whole charcoal thing. That was super popular for a while. That came out. Again, it's just because it's abrasive. It's going to get rid of the staining. It's not going to whiten your teeth. Right, okay. Right? Um, and then there's coconut oil thing that people say you can do coconut oil pulling. Have you tried that? It's, no, it's hideous. It feels it's like, like it would just be so like... It is, Hacky. it is. It's kind of really oily, not very nice. And you've got to hold it in your mouth for like 20 minutes. And but these days, I've got I mean, coconut oil for everything. Yeah. Break up, coconut oil. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's literally like anything and everything. <laughs> yeah. So there are little things you can do to help reduce the staining, like we said. But really, if you want to get the whitening done, speak to your dentist because it's safe, it's predictable. It will definitely work. It will definitely get your teeth whiter and it's not going to damage them. I'm now th like thinking, hang on a minute, I should have brushed my teeth an extra couple of times here. Cause to be I'm fair, they, they look all right from this angle. Thank you very much. I paid a lot nice. of money for them. <laughs> <laughs> Yours are gorgeous as well. I'll stop it. Um, okay, so what are the biggest dental misconceptions that you come across? Wow. There's, there's quite a lot, I think, of what people think they should do or they shouldn't do, mm -hmm. right? So I guess one one that is really good is, is use of mouthwash. People will either use it or they won't. And the ones that do use it will use it immediately after brushing. And that's actually not the time to use mouthwash. You is it after you have a curry? Possibly. Yeah. That might not be a bad idea. Because you kind of like combat it, you know? Yeah, there yeah. you go. So it's, it's, <laughs> you should be using it at a completely separate time because toothpaste has got loads of good stuff in it. So when you brush your teeth with toothpaste, there's another one. Spit. Don't rinse. So what that means is you brush your teeth. And then <laughs> don't you, know what kind of show this is today. <laughs> <laughs> you spit out all of the, the foam, but then you don't rinse your mouth with water after. So you leave the toothpaste residue on your teeth because the stuff in the toothpaste will continue protecting it for up to 30 minutes. Oh. But then if you rinse with mouthwash straight away, you're just going to wash all that stuff off. Right. So that's why I use a mouthwash at a separate time. So okay. when you get home from work or midway through the day, if you've got a little, little one with you at work, just have a little swish, you get an extra hit of the good stuff. That's a great top tip. I hope you've got three more because I'm going to ask you for some in a bit. I've, I've got loads. Okay, great. Question. Yes. With the, so even with, this is just for myself, with your mouthwash. Mm -hmm. So once you've done your mouthwash, you shouldn't then mouthwash with water afterwards. No. So for again. For God's sake, I've been doing it wrong all yeah, this time. So again, you rinse, 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 spit out, and then don't rinse. So then you're leaving the good stuff of the mouthwash on your teeth. Okay, fine. <laughs> great. <laughs> how old am I? 32 next week and I'm sorry I've been doing it wrong all the time. Okay, so how bad is sugar for your teeth? Ooh. Okay, so sugar itself 
mm. isn't bad. Like if you had a tooth extracted out the mouth and you just dumped it in some sugar, nothing's really going to happen to it. The issue is the bacteria in your mouth. Okay. So you need four things to get tooth decay. You need a tooth. <laughs> you need time. Yeah. Then you need bacteria and then you need sugar. So bacteria, plaque. We all have plaque in our mouth. It, plaque is basically like a sticky white film of bacteria. Mm. You can't avoid it. It builds even two, three minutes after it's you brush your teeth. It's just part, of, part yeah. of your mouth. What you can do is reduce it though and keep making sure you're effectively cleaning it and removing it off your teeth mm -hmm. with good brushing, good flossing in between your teeth because that bacteria eats the sugar that you eat. So every time you eat sugar, the bacteria eats the sugar and their byproduct is acid. So they eat sugar, they poo out acid. <laughs> Oh, and God. it's that acid that burns holes in your teeth and it's that acid that gives you cavities okay, okay? so what you want to do is reduce the frequency of the sugar not so much the amount it's the frequency how often you're putting sugar in your mouth because every time you put sugar in your mouth the bacteria will eat it and they'll release acid so your teeth will come under an acid attack so sad isn't it because i absolutely love sugar that's it well look chocolate mm. you're allowed it four times a day Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving you four hits. Okay, okay? fine. Don't abuse that. Okay. Uh, so there you go. So here's the thing. So if you want to have chocolate, have it around lunchtime because you're already going to have some carbs. You're already going to have some sugar in your food, right? Unless yeah. you're on a really yeah, strict yeah. diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's going to be carbs floating about. There's going to be acid getting released. And the way acid works, you've got a pH scale, right? Yeah. Seven is neutral. Yeah. 40 is alkalized. Zero is acid. Mm -hmm. Once you get to zero, it's not going to go below that. So you're already in an acidic environment. So if you add a little bit more chocolate in there as like a dessert, it's, it's not going to be. Gonna make much yes, difference. now when okay. it peaks back up, you neutralize. Let's say twenty minutes, thirty minutes after you've eaten, mm -hmm. you mash the chocolate. Then <laughs> you just plumb it into acidity again. Oh, okay. So you, you have, like I mean? have it at like the same time. Yeah, and also mash all of it in one go. Like, <laughs> listen, I'm I like Haribo. Yes, yeah, so kids and grown-ups love it so. Yeah. Like you can eat the whole bag Literally, in one go. I'm a fan. Yeah, but that's what you got to do. Eat the whole bag in one go. Because if you just have, you know, you have a little Coca Cola bottle and then like five minutes later you have a little heart and then you have a little ring. So Other like sweets are available, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, you just constantly dip in the sugar. Okay. You see right. the acid. Okay. One go. So two things I've learned today. When you brush, don't mouthwash straight afterwards. Yes. Wait. Yes. But if you're going to eat your chocolate or your sweets or your sugar, eat it all in one go. Perfect. Bang. Done. Two for two. Okay. Other top tips for maintaining good oral hygiene. Okay. Give me so, three. Three tips. Yeah. Okay. Number one. Use a really good toothbrush. Do not underestimate the effectiveness of a good brush compared mm -hmm. to the ineffectiveness of a cack brush. <laughs> okay, from when the brush starts looking all inverse yeah. and uh, the splayed out, it's really ineffective. It's not actually any good. So you do have to change your brush every two months and make sure you've got a fresh one. Now, I recommend electric electric toothbrushes because they do a lot of the brushing for you. They do the cleaning for you that you don't press too hard. You're not going to damage your gums and they're really effective at oscillating and vibrating the plaque off your teeth. Yeah. So good brushing habit, number like double one. Double whammy, brush and vibrate. That's it. Try and like do it at the same time. Just, just. <laughs> just like that. That's yeah. the exact technique. Um, <laughs> second thing is you have to clean in between. See, it rhymed. You see where the bars are coming out? Yeah, ah, see. Yeah, you see that? That's I was right. dropping yeah. bars. So you've got to clean in between. Now, whether that's flossing, whether that's using the little pokey brushes, depending yeah, on the lovely. gap of your teeth, mm -hmm. right? So your hygienist or your dentist or your therapist, dental therapist can go through what is best for your mouth because everyone's mm -hmm. different. But you have to clean in between because toothbrushing alone doesn't get between just the teeth. Just the surface. That's it. It just okay. gets the front and the back. Right. So you've got to get in between. Fine. It's like having a shower, not cleaning your armpits. No one wants that. You got to get. You got to yeah, clean the pits of the teeth. Okay, number three, hit me quick. And number Go. three, sugar frequency. We talked about it already, but reduce the frequency of sugar. That's right. really really key. Love that. 
I feel like I've learned so much today. Thank yeah. you so much. You're Next time welcome. you see me, they're going to be even brighter. Oh. I'm going to be bringing my I'd have to come in with sunglasses. Yeah, you will. Oh, I'll come and see you. You come can do see them me, for right? me. Anytime. Pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank it's you. been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And next time, I want you to come vocally warmed up. Ready. Ready. With okay. shape of you. Save the tooth. With, 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 with some kind of parody. Yeah. I'll come, I'll come ready. <laughs> Thank it you. won't be shabby next time I'm with Gabby. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much, love. It was Big great up. to meet you. Take care. Likewise. How amazing. I hope you've all learned so much about how to keep your teeth top tip healthy, glistening, shiny. So speaking of what I can actually tell you about, I know I don't know much about teeth, but I do know about exercises. So I'm going to give you my favorite exercise of the week this week, which is it? Let me get my notes. What is it? What is it today? We have banded sidesteps, right? So let's talk about glute activation. First of all, some people say, it's not, there's no point in doing them. Some people say that there is point in doing them. I am an advocate for them because when you go into a compound exercise, a lot of us are, which means like you're using lots of big muscle groups to do one movement, so i.e. your squats or your hip thrusts. You're using big muscle groups, right? You wanna make sure that the, the muscle groups surrounding those, the little ones are gonna be fine tuned and like really activated in order to make those bigger movements even better than they would have been before. So with these banded side squats, side squats side squats thinking about it if you put it on and you take four steps to the side and then four steps to the other side you'll actually feel those little muscles the glute med above your glute max turn on so these are your stabilizing muscles these are what we like to call the shelf so if you give it a little poke now you can feel them that the ones above that's what's going to give you that little peach look but obviously it's not just about aesthetic reasons it's about making those bigger muscles work even better. So by activating those those little ones, you're using your mind to muscle contraction because it actually makes you think about what you're doing, which muscles you're trying to turn on in order to get the most out of the movement. And it really helps those of us who are quad dominant, which most of us are because we use our quads for literally everything, running, taking the stairs, just everything that we do, quads are getting used. So by activating the glutes, it means that you're turning that back body on before you then hit those compound moves. So you're hitting all of them, quads, glutes, hammies. Thank me later. Get the band on before you do any of your lower body workouts and see how big your glutes are in six months time. And on that note, after the break, we have fitness influencer, Rebecca Bradley. So I will see you then. Hey. Fubar Radio presents. Mark from Married at First Sight UK. See, at the wedding, you told Sean you were 26, but you're actually 36. So drop in that decade. We ain't gone one or two years either side. What was going through your head when you thought, I'm going to shave off 10 years. A third of your life. (laughs) It was instant reaction. As soon as anyone says to me, how old are you? I'm like 26. I just stopped counting after 26. Would I have told Jim? Probably not. Ever? Well, maybe when we're 80 years old and we've got the grandkids running rounds. Except you wouldn't be 80 years old. You'd be be 90. I'd be 26 still. (laughs) I'd be going around the corner for some more injections. Joining me now, the former leader of the Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn, MP. And there you are stood with hundreds of thousands of people at Glastonbury singing, you know, Jeremy Corbyn. What is that like? It was quite 
extraordinary. It was an amazing experience and I was very pleased we did it. Um, we wrote, the office we got very excited about Glastonbury. Every single person in the office thought it was necessary for them to be at Glastonbury. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they did. <laughs> yeah. Every single one said yeah. it was really necessary yeah. for them to yeah. come. The dating show. I'm friends with uh, a fair few exes and, and I think you can be friends with an ex, but yeah, I, I genuinely do. But I do think that it's Timing is everything with that. Well, it, I think it depends what you cast as a friend. Yeah, Are you I talking mean, about, you know, someone you're going to hang out with on your sofa? Like, if you've already shagged, you know, isn't that a bit weird? Or is no, it I weird? think that's a different level of friend. I think that's a different level of friend. You can be friends with someone. You can't be, like, best fucking friends with someone. I mean, I've got exes that I talk to about their current partners and, and whatever else, and they'll tell me about that sort of stuff. But I wouldn't say, oh, do you want to come over for fucking Chinese and chill on the sofa? You're listening to Food Bar Radio. Fubar Radio. Fubar Radio. Fubar Radio. Fubar Radio. Fubar Radio presents. Access all areas. And we are joined now by our lovely guest, James Johnson, celebrity hairdresser. How are you, James? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. What was Mel B like then? I oh, used the to best. be a spice boy. The best energy. Did you sing to her? I no, to... I can't sing. I'm nor can I, but I still I remember don't. the job got cancelled. I went to wherever she was staying in London, it got cancelled. And whoever she was living with made us Victoria sponge cake. So the job got cancelled, we all sat around the table eating cake. I got in the car <laughs> and, and I was like, I've just sat with a sparse girl eating Victoria sponge. Oh, noshing a bit of Vicky sponge. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club. We are joined in the studio now by professional comedian Brett Goldstein. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Brett? Uh, I'm very grateful to be here with you two. If you could dig someone up and fuck them. Gene Kelly and Cary Grant, right? Not Cary, there's not much <laughs> If I could dig up Gene Kelly, I'd say, could we do it, Dose? I've got the shovel in my boot. <laughs> I've got in this scenario, <laughs> is he still dead when you dig him up, or does he come out? Does he of... come to life? Is he a rotten corpse, or is he? That's my <laughs> Dating or going on dates when you were like a teenager was always quite fun, though. Do you know what I mean? I remember going on dates to like the cinema. You'd go shopping, like shopping centres, wouldn't you? I think, if anything, they were maybe maybe this just says about life and where it is. But I used to get really excited, like more excited than I do now. Like the thought of going to meet someone in a park, a boy, it was like, oh my fucking god, what trainers am I going to wear? Are my trainers clean? Am I going to plait my hair? It was like. It, the thought that would go through my head just to meet one person, whereas now, you know, you might meet someone on the way home from work and it's like the, the effort, you're still making an effort, but it's like, yeah, I can fit you in. It, it's, it's completely different. You're listening to Food Bar Radio. Food Bar Radio. Food Bar Radio. And welcome back. Thank you so much for staying with us. This week, we are looking at body image and in particular, the relationship between gym and body image, which I feel like we see everywhere now because of social media. So joining me now is the gorgeous Rebecca Bradley, fitness influencer and weightlifter. Thank you so much for coming today, hon. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, how did you find it getting here? Was it fine? It was fine. Yeah? yeah? No, All settled? Perfect. Good to go? Yeah, good to go. Okay, so give me three words to describe yourself. Okay. Um, stubborn. Yeah. Let's start with Same. like stubborn. <laughs> um very, very, very organized. Okay. And um just determined. 
love those. Yeah. By the way, I should have said, these are quick fire questions, so I'm just going to hit them with you. And as you did, you just took them on the chin and give me the answers straight okay, away. Okay. I'd be like, I don't know, three words to describe myself. <laughs> Why is it so hard when that question comes I at you? I don't know. I don't know. It's just daunting, isn't it, to just think about it. But anyway. but you smashed it, so there you Thank go. You. Okay, so which is better, upper body or lower body? What's your favorite day? Upper body. Really? Mm. Oh, my God. Every woman that I meet is like glutes, lower body. No, it's too much work. <laughs> I honestly you have dread to prepare my yourself. Le- no, honestly, it's so much work. I have to mentally prepare myself. When I'm doing uh, like upper body, I'm like, yeah, no, shoulders, yes, yum. But when I go to do a leg day, I know I have to do it like intense. Proper hardcore, yeah. Because it's not going to give me any results if I don't go yeah, like yeah, yeah. hard. So I dread it. That's because but, like you lift so heavy though, right? Yeah, yeah. I try to. Yeah. <laughs> I try to. <laughs> you do, you smash it. Okay, so speaking of workouts, upper... I mean, in the morning or in the evening? Morning. Morning? Yeah. I just like getting it done. I like natural light. I don't like it being dark outside. Yeah. My gym is very, like, open, so I like that natural yeah, light. Yeah, same. Also, um, content. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Lovely for content. We love natural light. Um, yeah. But, yeah, mornings. It's 100%. so true. Like, I, 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 the reason why I wasn't surprised then is just because... I'm finding by doing these interviews, a lot of people are saying different things and I thought everyone was just a morning person like really? me. Yeah, but a lot of people actually do train in the evenings as well. Yeah, which no, is... I sometimes work as well. I mean, if you can't They're help it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, so what is your go-to cheat meal? Ooh, pasta. Yeah. What, like a spicy pasta, creamy pasta? Right, so have you heard of amatriciana? It's just like a tomato base. It's basically a carbonara, but tomato sauce. So yeah. guanciale, so it's like just creamy but tomato. Yeah. Oh my oh, god, amazing! Unreal. I amazing. love pasta as well. Okay, and last one: Who is your dream workout partner apart from me? Um, <laughs> ooh, I don't know. Is there anyone that you follow, like on Instagram, that you watch and you think they are just so inspiring, male or female? See, I would love. This is a bodybuilding thing. Yeah, I would love to train um, with. Doreen Yates. Okay. Oh my God. His, his like just mindset towards yeah. everything is just You'd amazing. probably just learn so much, right? I would just literally, it would change me as a person because honestly, if you watch him, he just has a completely amazing like view on life and I love it. Is and it like he... they can just achieve anything? Yeah, no, yeah. he just has an incredible mindset. So yeah, Dorian Yates. Okay, well on that, like, so you saying that you'd be inspired by him, what initially got you into fitness to start? Like what inspired you to start? Well, it was really a mixture of stuff, but um, mainly my family, my mom and my dad have always been really health orientated. My mom in the nutrition side and my dad has always been an active person. Um, But then it also pushed me into going to the gym because I suffered with compulsive eating disorder. Okay. So it was like I wanted to do something to help me heal from that. Right. And I think like a physical activity just like the gym just completely changed my life mm. because there was structure there was something that i was trying to achieve and my mind was just healing from having okay. to like even think about what i was going through right so it's like you kind of substituted um one thing for another mm-hmm. but in a, in a healthy positive yeah. way yeah yeah that's Absolutely. so cool yeah um, and you're originally from Brazil, but you moved to the UK when you were 14. That's yeah. where that sexy accent came out when you said the pasta thing. I'm like, <laughs> can't say that. Um, so how did you find the, did you have a big 
cultural transformation from there. So obviously over there, everyone's like, it's sunny, so everyone's probably out. Health and fitness is like everywhere probably. So when you moved here and it's miserable and gray all the time, how was that for you? Um, I was very, very active okay. in Brazil. I lived by the beach. So it was yeah. going anywhere was cycling. Mm. Um, activities were just everywhere for you to do, going to the beach and it, it, it's just different. Yeah, yeah. Another thing is um, when I came here, the culture itself is so different. So I was really active in Brazil. I had like just a very big group of people around me all the time came to England, everything is different. Nobody Every- even looks at you. <laughs> no, no. And um, it was just so shocking, mostly the food, because everything for me in Brazil was so um, organic and natural. Fresh. And everything was mm. fresh. And I came here and everything is processed. And my body felt it. Really? Yeah, 100%. I gained probably 10 kg when I was 14 in the space of two months because of the food. Do you think that, well, yeah, the food and also the lack of being able to cycle everywhere without yeah. getting drenched? Physical activity, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, 100%. And I didn't know anyone, I didn't know where the gyms were. Um, it took some time for me to adjust. And wow. until I did that, it was just like, you don't realize how much food or your surroundings can affect you. Yeah. And the difference was massive. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was. Uh, and speaking of that then, so th- the, was there a massive difference in standards in in the body standards in Brazil compared to here as well? And has that affected you and your perception of, you know, how people look in the gym compared to how they looked in the Brazilian gyms? I'm not sure, like, was there a huge difference? At the time, yeah. I think that's shifted now um, because it's changed. I think everyone at the moment wants an hourglass figure. They want like a big back and like a tiny waist and then Mm. big glutes. Like everyone that I meet wants that um, if you go to the gym. Mm. Um, But that was Brazil since I was young. So So you came over here and you're like, everyone just looks like that over there. Yeah, everyone (laughs) looks like that over there. So you have the pressure of, you know, it's desirable. I think that model-esque body, like small, like just tiny, was always like desired by girls, like being skinny was Mm. always desired, but it was more desired to be the hourglass. And then I came here and everyone was trying to be small, 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 small when I came here. Now it's changed, it's shifted. Isn't it funny? It's so crazy. And when I came, I was like, oh my God, I'm trying to build my quads and they're trying to lose their quads. And I'm like, oh my God, what is happening? Yeah. Um, But that, I never changed what I wanted. Yeah, that's what I was gonna Mm. say. So did it it affect how you trained? So as you said, you were trying to, you know, go with what you're used to and build the physique that you, you know, quite rightly so, wanted to be. And then you, when you first came over, I remember it like, back in the day, cause I'm I'm not curvy or skinny. I'm just like in the middle, straight up and down. Mm. It's so frustrating. Um, I'm trying to build my Beautiful glutes, guys. Anyway. Thanks very much. Um, but you know, as you said, like you came over here and everyone's trying to be smaller. So did you then, did it change how you were trying to see yourself? Were you like, well, maybe I should try and be smaller or, or I'm gonna continue to build my booty? For a while. Really? Yeah, I was like, oh no, okay, mindset, be smaller. I was young, mm. everyone around me, I wanted to fit in. So yeah. it was more of, I, I don't think I wanted to not have muscle. I just, my body dysmorphia changed completely then because every time I looked in the mirror, I was like, I'm too big, I'm too big, I'm too big. And then it, until I think three years ago, mm. I was still in that mindset. Lockdown, when lockdown was there, I was honestly, okay, I'm not small enough, not small enough, not small enough. And then I just stopped for a minute. The other day I actually made a transformation video and I was like, oh, what? 
I need to see it. Then, honestly, oh, I'll show you. Okay. <laughs> but I was like, what? I, I was that small, you like know, tiny. Was, is, so when you became a fitness influencer, mm. um, did that have an impact on how you see body as well? Because I feel like, you know, social media can be so negative in a lot of ways, but it can also be really great too because it can show you that there's so many different shapes and sizes for people yeah. wanting to aspire to. Mm. And do, especially because people probably look at you and want to look like you. So is that being an influencer, has that helped you how you see your body? Has it changed anything? Has it made anything, you know, actually you can inspire people to look look like you? Um, I try my hardest to put on my social media that you just need to be who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, be happy in whatever stage of your body you are. Because if I had that mindset when I was younger, I would just not, don't think about yeah. it. Just do things that you love. If you love fitness, go, do do it. But don't do it because you want to change how you look. You just want to feel better. Yeah, That's why I do now. That's what I do. I like bodybuilding. I train like a bodybuilder. Um, some of my friends like doing Pilates. So it, it just what you enjoy. Exactly, 100%. If you're being healthy. Yeah. That's all that matters. Um, if people want to look like me, I will always be like, you can try and look the way you are meant could, to yeah, look yeah, or yeah. could because you can't look like me. Yeah. Um, and I can't look like someone else. So that's what I try to put out there. It's exactly that, isn't it? Like learning the balance between, you know, I know what you people aspire to, you know, look a certain way. But mm-hmm. if you can make peace with the fact that unless you're going to go and get a BBL, you, you can only make the best out of your situation. Exactly. And also I love that approach. Like you do what exercise makes you feel good. If you take the aesthetic reasons out of it, and you just find something that, you know, if, if yoga is your thing, go and do it. If cross-lifting cross yeah. is your thing, go and do that. Do something that actually makes you feel good from the inside out rather than doing and it because... And you'll see more results. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you want results... Because you'll go back. Do what you like to do because yeah. that's the only way. If you go and do something that you don't enjoy and you feel like you're not good at, you're never going to see the results. So the best results will come when you do stuff that you love to do. Um, so, yeah the video yeah i need to see it um, <laughs> honestly it shook me so this was like three years ago we'll show you this guys wow yes oh my god i mean your body is unbelievable oh thank you <laughs> but i was like my legs oh my god i have legs again it was crazy and i don't make transformations often i'm an influencer and i don't make transformations often because it's just like sometimes you just get in your own head yeah um and at that point sometimes not long ago i was like i'm not making any progress and then i look at that and I'm like, oh no, wait, I do. So take those progress pictures. 100%. You know, because you're not, your mind plays games with you. It does. And also you're looking at yourself every day. This is what I say to my members all the time. Like you look at yourself every single day. So you can't see the small changes that happen from mm-hmm. week to week. But I don't recommend taking pictures every week because as women, we bloody deflate and inflate Absolutely. all the time due to the, our time of the month and stuff. But it is important to try and track your progress month to month that day or every six to eight weeks so if you are giving it your best shot you can give yourself a pat on the back and be like you know what all those sessions that i have been putting my heart and soul into you can see the results because i think sometimes we're so hard on ourselves aren't we a hundred percent oh my god like as you just said going to the gym and doing a lower body workout unless you want to give it you're literally 110 percent. you don't want to do it But it is, it's crazy because we are so harsh on ourselves and it's just sad because we shouldn't be. 
And then when you, so what is your favorite approach to training? Then, you know, we're talking about things, doing things that you love. Do you like Pilates or is it all just about the weights? No, I love everything. I love trying new things. I haven't tried Pilates yet. I'm terrified. It's hard. I know. <laughs> I am terrified. I um, just did a couple of classes at BXR gym. Yeah. And oh my days, the cardio. No. Oh my God. I loved it. It felt amazing, but it's not my sort of training. And yeah. I want to do more of it because it, it showed me that I need to work on some yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I like trying new things. And I think every aspect fitness I love, I just just enjoy trying out everything out there. Yeah, putting um, yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah, but um, bodybuilding, training, lifting weights is what I actually really enjoy. It's what, it's what got me into it. Um, so, yeah. So, have you ever received any negative feedback or looks about your physique? And if you have, then how would you deal with that? So much. So many. Negative comments yeah, about you? Yeah, um, stupid. No, they are, honestly. But um, I try to just think about if they're commenting on my social media, this is the best way of saying it. If, if someone's commenting, taking the time out of their day to comment on your picture, it's just helping the algorithm, babe. <laughs> it's honestly just helping you get out there. And if they have something bad to say, someone else has a good thing to say, so focus on the good stuff. Exactly. Um, but it, it, it gets to you sometimes and it's just natural. But I try to listen to the people that love me and are around me and see me every day. And um, if something actually gets to me, I just talk to someone. Um, but I just don't care sometimes. Yeah, I think that's really, I think that's great because you can, if you can remove yourself from the negativity and try and focus on all the good stuff, it's easier said than done though, isn't it? You can focus. Absolutely, yeah. It's Even you'll have a hundred positive comments, but if you have one negative, then you'll be like, focus on that one, mm -hmm. yeah. So lastly, and very quickly, do you think the f being a fitness influencer in, in this world, does it put unrealistic standards on what you can achieve as a female? Yes and being no. Being a bodybuilder. Yes and no, depends on the influencer. Mm -hmm. If they're very, very, because people edit their pictures, that yeah. it is out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? People edit them. So, so if you find the influencers that are really authentic out there, then yes. Yeah. But be careful. That's why the power of video. Mm. Because sometimes I go into some people's profiles and I'm like, eh, that, that doesn't look the same as that. But, you know, that is just, social media, as we said, is great in some ways and terrible in others. Yeah. But you look fabulous. Oh, and I'm so glad so that you showed me that transformation photo. Video. Video, guys. Video. It's <laughs> video. all about the video. It's all about um, it. Make sure that you check out The Gorgeous on Instagram so you can see the transformational video yourself. And thank you so much for joining us today, oh, my thank darling. Thank you for having me. Um, and I will be following your weightlifting videos. Oh, thank you. Because I want to get stronger like you. I want Let's quads go. like yours. We love it. <laughs> we love big quads. Yes, yes, we do. Quads for the win. Thank you, Gorge. Thank you. So coming up after this, we will be joined by Millie Gooch, who is the founder of the Sober Girl Society. So I'm so excited to, to talk about this, seeing as dry January is coming into the end, and I can't lie, it has been difficult. So I'll see you on the flip side. Hey! FUBAR Radio presents... Access All Areas. Mark from Married at First Sight UK. See, at the wedding, you told Sean you were 26, but you're actually 36. Yeah. So drop in that decade. We ain't gone one or two years either side. What was going through your head when you thought, I'm going to knock, I'm going to shave off 10 years, A 26. third of your life. Yeah. <laughs> it was instant reaction. As soon as anyone says to me, how old are you? I'm like 26. I just stopped counting after 26. Would I have told him? Probably not. No. Yeah. Ever? 
about maybe when we're 80 years old and we've got the grandkids running around. And Except like, you wouldn't be 80 years old. You'd be, <laughs> be 90. Yeah, you'd be 90. <laughs> I'd be 26 still. <laughs> I'd be going around the corner for some more injections. <laughs> Joining me now, the former leader of the Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn, MP. And there you are stood with hundreds of thousands of people at Glastonbury singing out Jeremy Corbyn. What is that like? It was quite extraordinary. It was an amazing experience and I was very pleased we did it. Um, we wrote the office, we got very excited about Glastonbury. Every single person in the office thought it was necessary for them to be at Glastonbury. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they did. <laughs> yeah. Every single one said yeah. it was really necessary yeah. for them to come. I'm friends with uh, a fair few exes and, and I think you can be friends with an ex but I, I genuinely do. But I do think that he's Timing is everything with that. Well, it, I think it depends what you cast as a friend. Yeah, Are you I talking mean, about you know someone you're going to hang out with on your sofa? Like if you've already shagged, you know, isn't that a bit weird? Or is no, it I think that's a different level of friend. Uh, I think that's a different level. Of, you can be friends with someone. You can't be like best fucking friends with someone. I mean, I've got exes that I talk to about their current partners and, and whatever else, and they'll tell me about that sort of stuff. But I wouldn't say, oh, do you want to come over for fucking Chinese and chill on the sofa? You're listening to Food Bar Radio. Joining me now is Millie Gooch, author and founder of Sober Girl Sobriety <laughs> Society. Sober Girl Society. Thank you so much for coming, Mabe. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's lovely to meet you. So, the burning question. Why did you decide to go sober? Yeah, so I stopped drinking nearly six years ago now. Wow. Um, and the main reason was my mental health. So okay. I was really struggling with it. I started drinking when I went to uni mainly, worked in bars, got, you know, indoctrinated into this like nightlife culture. Mm -hmm. Just went from like a bit of a nothing drinker to a complete like blackout binge drinker. Was, you know, waking up, not remembering what I'd done or what I said world's worst like beer fear I mean yeah that's most scary sorts of in mm -hmm. there and yeah it was just like playing havoc with my mental health and just got in this real cycle of like drinking to feel less anxious and then feeling more anxious or like you know as a result of blacking out and then yeah it's just kept going so when I was 26 went on a very big night out had an almighty hangover and just said that's I'm just, it I'm not doing it anymore and then yeah six years later here we are that's amazing the amount of almighty hangovers I have and I say the same thing yeah. and then here we are um, how has your life changed since being sober then? Yeah, I mean, it always sounds like I've joined a cult when I when I talk to people about this because I'm like, e every part of my life, even if it's in a small way, has like got a little bit better. So like mental health is a huge one, but physical health, my relationship's better, friendship's better, finances are better. Like in, in all ways, my life has kind of got a bit better, I would say. So this is the thing that I find difficult when people talk about sobriety, not I don't find it difficult, but I mean as in, I find it hard to understand because there is a stigma around it. People say that they're not drinking and, you know, I've seen it. it even when I go out and say I'm not drinking one night, my friends will be like, oh, you're boring. Have you found that? Have people, like, treated you any differently for being sober? Yeah, 100%. Like, people have this real, like, misconception. And to be honest, I had it. So, like, I don't take offence to it that much because I used to think that anyone didn't that didn't drink was, like, you know, completely boring. So I have had it. I remember, like, when my friend's hen do and her sister had organised it and my friend said to me afterwards, she was like, oh, my sister said that she was actually really glad, like, that you came in the end she was really worried that you were going to be really boring and, like, telling people not to drink. And she was like, she actually turned around at the end and was like, Millie's actually really fun, isn't she? And I was like, I've been trying to tell people. But people <laughs> I'm just, really yeah, fun. <laughs> I don't know how to put it out there anymore. But, like, yeah, people just have this this 
like preconceived idea that people who don't drink are boring and I can see why because you know British culture particularly it's so wrapped up in everything Mm. and so many of us don't know what to do without drinking like when I first stopped drinking I was like I don't even know what to do for fun I don't know what I like doing how am I going to spend my weekend yeah I think that's one thing that I'm thinking now it's like when you went out did you find it hard not to drink because you so that's what you used to that's what you normally do so was it difficult in the first few months of stopping drinking but still going out and partying did you tell people that you weren't drinking yeah or did you just go out and pretend? <laughs> so I, I told people, but funnily enough, they all, like like you said, I've said so many times, I'm never drinking again. Mm. So they just didn't think I was going to stick to it. So or you like, cried yeah, wolf. Yeah. yeah. So like they just kind of let me get on with it for the first few months because they were like, look, she'll be back drinking in no time. So I, I was going out like normally and just not drinking, but they all knew I wasn't because I think they thought eventually I would. And mm. it is really hard because like in that environment it's so unnatural to be in like a club or a bar and not be drinking and I always say like I think it's why so many people would like attempt to not drink and then fall short because the hardest bit is is staying social yeah Yeah. like is and and the start bit as well once you've gone I always say that once people have cracked a year you start doing things for like the second time so you like do a sober Christmas and you probably do another Mm. sober wedding but that beginning part is so hard yeah I think thinking about it now what would put me off drinking is when I have been out and not drinking and seeing how people behave. I'm like, do I look like that when yeah. I'm drunk? And I probably do, but worse. Yeah. Because I'm always the ones like dancing on the table, just being an absolute idiot. And the day after, I'm like, why was I doing the splits in the middle of a club? Yeah, I've been there. At the time, it was a good idea. Yeah, it's always a good idea at the time. But... <laughs> My hamstrings the day after are like, yeah. no. <laughs> okay, so what made you want to set up the Sober Girl Society? Yeah, so when I stopped drinking, I did not know like a single other sober person. Like I was 26 at the time, just didn't know anyone. And I followed loads of like communities online at the time that were like a shared purpose, whether it was like mental health or body positivity. There just wasn't anyone talking about like not drinking and there were no spaces for like girls who were going through this. So, I, you know, I knew basics of Instagram. So mm. I was like, oh, maybe I'll start something and five of us will go for like alcohol-free cocktails on a Friday night and we can talk about what a nightmare dating sober is. And it just escalated. Like, I, I guess it was just because there was a need for it. There wasn't anything like it. And kind of became my full-time thing so now we run like events and meetups across the country and yeah the whole thing is getting sober and sober curious women together and showing people that they can have a good time without drinking that's amazing thank you and i i think you probably i think in this day and age now it's getting more and more normal for Mm. people to be sober curious isn't it but six years ago i can imagine that was like so it was a new thing wasn't it a hundred percent i mean the landscape I think has completely changed. Like the amount of people talking about it now, like it's a normal conversation, is incredible. And I think it's come alongside of like the rise of alcohol-free drinks. So when I stopped drinking, it was like Bex Blue or Diet Coke, and those are like your only two <laughs> yeah. options. And if anyone's tried Bex Blue, it's not great. And I just like now you can get non-alcoholic absinthe, you can get non-alcoholic whiskey. Like there's literally like an alternative for everything. So that movement has grown alongside, which I really think has like helped normalise this conversation, which is exciting. Um, I need to know what's so bad about dating sober. I think it's just terrifying when you, it's something that you're not used to. Because I, when I was drinking and dating, you know, like you use it to calm your nerves, you use it yeah. for confidence, you rely on it. And I think that's the one thing I realised when I stopped drinking is how much I really relied on alcohol. I was always kind of say, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm not dependent on it, but for my confidence, I, I was mm. really. And I think it can be terrifying going into a new situation and meeting someone. And there's also the awkwardness of like, oh, at what point do I tell them I don't drink? Do I tell them mm. beforehand how they're going to react? Are they still going to want to go on a date? Like, 
it, it, it's judging that line I think is is quite difficult but I also think there's so many benefits to it like mm. I, I used to go on so many dates when I was drinking I'd be like they are the one and then I'd meet <laughs> them like a few weeks later sober and I'd be like we've got nothing in common what was going through my mind I'd be like oh it was because yeah. I was drunk you've got something in common with everyone when you're drunk exactly mm. so I think this way I like knew straight away I could tell within like the first 10 minutes if like we actually had a vibe and actually had a spark and if there was nothing in common it was obvious so I felt like I wasn't wasting my time so I say it sounds really cold but I feel like sober dating is a lot more efficient because you yeah. can just tell <laughs> straight away if you like someone if you don't you're like okay I'm moving on that could be an actual thing sober dating even for people that aren't sober yeah just be like because it's ti- for the time poor yeah sober dating for the time exactly. poor exactly everyone's busy you know just go for a quick coffee work it out love that um, so dry January is coming to an end for most people tomorrow what tips do you have for anyone that might be looking to continue this journey yeah I think the first one is understanding why you drink I think that's always the biggest one like a lot of us drink you know because it's default or out of habit but we don't really question like oh am I drinking because I'm using it for confidence or am I drinking because it helps me socialize am I drinking because it it chills me out and de-stresses me so I think understanding it is the first route because if say like what a lot of mine was was about confidence okay how can I develop confidence in other areas maybe can I read books around confidence or so I think tackling it from that way but I also think like there's so many incredible resources and as well as like the like alcohol free drinks the landscape has changed Mm. in terms of like podcasts books everything like social media influencers who are talking about this so I think check out some of those resources as well like there's incredible people now talking about this on socials and amazing blogs that you can read and even like whole podcasts dedicated to sobriety so I'd say look check out some of yeah. those for sure there's so much more than there was so back in the day much. when you started yeah so much there was like nothing it was like tumbleweed I'd be like does anyone else not drink and it'd be like no just you on your own <gasps> oh god that great. must have been so like isolating at times yeah mm-hmm. and it, it, it's like that's the nice thing now about like sober girl society I probably know more sober people now than I do yeah. non-sober people well you know what Crazy. I'm not sober I still drink but I definitely enjoy feeling fresh on a Saturday today yeah way more than feeling rough yeah it's like and maybe it's because i am getting older my hangovers are getting getting worse but also everything else in my life is so much more positive and i have so much more clarity when i haven't been out yeah and i'll try and go out as early as i can in the week like on a thursday so by monday i'm like okay again you yeah. know what i mean because it has got harder i'm able to train better i'm able to do my work more efficiently yeah uh, it is i think in the future, I am sober curious, basically. Yeah, in the yeah, future, yeah. it's something that I might consider. But at the moment, I still do love a bit of a boogie. But that's, it's a great way to be sober curious. Like, mm. I, everyone thinks I'm trying to go, like, around telling people they need to stop drinking. Like, that's not the case at all, because some people have got, like, an absolutely fine relationship with it. Mm. I think it's just having that constant state of, like, curiosity of, like, okay, you know, am I wasting four days of my week when actually I want to be doing other stuff? Is this really making it's me happy. happy? It's just constantly being curious about it rather than just drinking because you feel like you have to and because you're worried about what people will say if you don't yeah i think i need to try the boogie without the prosecco yeah but you you can do <laughs> it like when you go there you'll be surprised it feel like it'll feel weird and awkward at first but after a while you you just nobody else actually cares no, do they and i feed off everyone else's strong energy yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm like i could just pretend that i'm pissed exactly like, and it's fine okay and people will think i am i'm gonna let you know i'm going skiing next week so i'll <gasps> yeah. let you know how i'm gonna try one night maybe just not tell anyone and yeah. then see if i can do it yeah and um, so there's loads more younger people actually shunning alcohol these days yeah what do you think has been the biggest reason for that cultural shift yeah i think social media has had a big part of that and i think it's because everything feels more like achievable now like building your own business or traveling or doing all those things and 
whereas I don't know when I was younger it was like oh all there is to life is going out whereas now people are like I could do this and I could do this yeah. and I think people want to do more stuff than just go out and drink and I think you know there's a big rise in health and wellness people are going to the gym more mm -hmm. I think there has been a real shift with that but also like the negative side of social media like there's that now f extra layer of anxiety of oh my god did someone put up like a story of yes. me drunk or did I call my ex-boyfriend or like all those kind of things that you've got as well with like modern technology I think just generally people are becoming like more conscious consumers and you know asking the questions of uh, am I just doing this because everyone's done this for however many years or do I really want to do it like we've seen the rise of veganism and sustainability and I think alcohol is probably like gonna be the natural next thing that we start talking about I think that's great yeah I think it's so good and it is exactly that like thinking about when I was or when when I was 26 I was all I really did was go out and yeah. not really do much else because that was what there is to do but now there's so many different run clubs so many different fitness clubs like loads of there's Social media, my whole explore page is just full of fitness things, whereas yeah. beforehand it was just like what dress I could buy to go out on the exactly, weekend. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, there's so many more options now. Do you think companies are taking sobriety more seriously? Yeah, I do, definitely. I mean, uh, last week I saw that they'd launched alcohol-free WKD, which to me is oh like, my God, okay, they're, from the past. they're taking that seriously yeah. now. Yeah, I do think so. And even so, I do a lot of workplace talk, so I go in and I talk to you know employees about how to make the culture more sober inclusive like corporate world yeah okay. corporate world and i've offered that now for like four years and the first two years i was like begging to come into workplaces and now like i've done some amazing ones over the last couple of years of like asos charlotte tilbury like so many wow. incredible workplaces that are like actually we need to be talking about this especially for our like employees and as part of like diversity and inclusion because you know, so many people don't drink, like, it's, it, it, whether for whatever reason, you've got people don't drink for religious reasons or addiction yeah. or because they're pregnant. Like, so it's a really important thing, I think, to include. So, yeah, I think companies are definitely taking it more seriously. The, it, that is a thing, though, isn't it? In the in the corporate world, my brother's in the corporate world, it is all based around that as well. Like, when they all get together, it's a lot based. Why can't we just have cake instead yeah. of booze? Exactly. That would be so much better, wouldn't it? I would love that. <laughs> just bottomless cake, that would be my favourite. Apart from bottomless cake, what changes would you like to see in the future for these sobriety like you know moving forward yeah i think the biggest one i always say is i would just love people to not necessarily have the why question of when you say you're not drinking because i think if i said to you oh, i'm not smoking you wouldn't go why like or if i said oh, I'm, I'm not taking cocaine you wouldn't necessarily say why whereas with alcohol it always feels like there needs to be a reason and a like justification behind it like people say it's the only drug that you have to like justify taking because it's so normalized yeah right. yeah or justify not taking because it is so normalized so i would love because a lot of people don't want to talk about the reasons like for some people that can be really personal and so that would be the, the thing i would love but also just that like venues and bars are more inclusive in terms of like the options that they offer i think that would that would be a really exciting thing if you could just go into any bar and guarantee that there's a really good alcohol free option on the menu i think that would be great yeah, as you said, it's like with veganism, isn't it? Like now every restaurant you go into, most of them have got a good vegan menu. Yeah. So if most places should have a good alcohol, non-alcohol yeah. menu as well. Do you find that where you go? Is it being included a lot more? Definitely. Like it's changed so much. I think I can always go in somewhere now and at least guarantee there's going to be like at least an alcohol-free beer, whereas like one point there wasn't. But I think people are really making an effort with it now. And it used to be that mocktails... And there's like a bit of a shift around that. They used to just be like, you know, like grenadine and orange juice. Whereas now there's like all these exciting alcohol-free spirits and they're getting like really complex and people are actually putting as much thought into alcohol-free cocktails as they are normal cocktails, which is great to see.
you know what i saw something the other day where it's like people that leave their parties at two gain like stupid amounts of days back in their lives compared to the people that are sat in someone's kitchen till 5 a.m yeah how I crazy is that? that i know but you do you get so much time back i i don't know when i was a kid there was a program called bernard's watch i don't know if you ever saw this mm. and he just used to stop time and he could just go about his day and and sometimes i feel like i've got bernard's watch because i thought <laughs> i've got all this extra time back and like that for me has been one of the best things of like rather than you know like waking up on a sunday morning and then being like oh, i cannot get out of bed just like getting out of bed and yeah sometimes might be tired and don't always feel fantastic but i just get so much You're time back fresh. yeah, yeah. can't beat it you can't what's ed sheeran song nothing happens after two yeah it's true it's true <laughs> it is and i've stayed up even sober like past that time and i'm like what am i doing here like yeah i'm going home now yeah <laughs> when people start telling me the same story twice as soon as i hear the same story twice i'm like right, that well, is my cue to I'm go gone. yeah see ya. i don't even say bye i just slip out and then text everyone and be like oh Sorry guys, come Oh, you're one of them. Yeah. I've got a friend that does that. We call her Backdoor Bella. Yeah. Because she used to just like get off and then I'd be like, oh, backdoored yeah. it again, did you? You have to because otherwise, <laughs> like you're going around saying bye to people and they're like, come on, just stay. They convince and, like, you. Yeah, so yeah. no, drop a text. Let everyone know I haven't been kidnapped. Just French bye guys. Exit. Yeah, couldn't find you. Sorry. Off I go. Love that one. Done. Okay, well, I'm going to take that into my 2024. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us Thank today, Mills. It was so me. nice to meet you. And I'll definitely be having a look at your Sober Girl. I keep saying Sober Girl Sobriety, but oh, Sober Girl it's Society. It's a confusing name. I don't know what I was thinking, but we would love to have you at an event. Oh, it's so. straight to yeah. the point. Yeah, well, I'd love to come. So thank you for coming on here. Thank and I'll you. see you again in the future. Now, guys, it's time to answer some of your fitness questions. If you want to get involved, you can DM us at What the Health Show on Instagram. So this week we have Hannah's question, which is, what are the best exercises for fat loss? Okay, so first of all, fat loss is all about being in a deficit. Deficit, I think we actually spoke about this last week, but deficit is basically consuming less calories than you expend. So for easy figures, if you consume 2,000 calories and you expend 2,500, then um, I had to check my maths then, it means that you would be in a deficit of 500 calories. So therefore, over a gradual amount of time, over amount of time, gradually, you will lose weight because your body is using your resources, your stored fats, your stored energy to survive, stay alive, rather than taking in new energy. But that being said, there are tools that you can use to also, you know, fire up that um, process so a lot of people use cardio as a tool so for example if you know that on a day where you're going to be sat down for the majority of the day so your active calories are going to be quite low then you can if you have the chance go and get on a treadmill for 30 minutes you don't have to run if you're not into running but if you just get it on an incline walk set yourself at a steady pace so if you've got a smartwatch or if you just you know put your hands on those little things you can monitor your heart rate and if you do like 30 40 minutes at 120 bpm or 130 bpm just stay in that steady state less cardio then that also is a great tool to expend the calories that you probably wouldn't have burnt if you just sat down on your ass all day so use cardio as your tool eat clean be in a calorie deficit, and therefore you should therefore see fat loss. Moving on to Suki's question. Someone recommended MCT oil to me to stop cravings, but it's high in calories. Would you recommend trying it? So the thing is with these oils is, for me, it's just another thing that companies are trying to market to get you to buy it, to 
you know, try something else to help you lose weight. What stop cravings? I just think rather than introducing something else, MCT oils, by the way, are derived from coconut oil, but they also are highly processed. Like lots more oils put in them too. It's just basically a big load of fat. So whilst people that are on the keto diet, which want a high fat diet, wouldn't recommend by the way, but it's great for them to top up their calories and therefore, you say stop cravings, but it's basically just putting something else in your body, like topping up so that you don't eat as much. But there's so much better ways that you can do it. I've mentioned before, you know, I'm not saying that everyone should do intermittent fasting, but if you do find that you find it harder to start eating first thing in the morning and then over the day you then you're gradually just hungrier hungrier because you've kick-started metabolism first thing then try and wait just a little bit longer maybe until midday to have your first meal or even 11 o'clock because then it means that you're giving yourself a shorter window time to get in all your calories and probably um, avoid those hunger cravings as well but there's other things that are you watching your water um, intake a lot of the time when you think that you're hungry you're actually thirsty so try upping your water intake and then if you're still bloody hungry then get yourself a high protein snack get yourself a boiled egg you might have seen it on my story the other day I have now in my fridge loads of boiled eggs ready to go because I have been so busy this week that I need to get that my protein intake in that macro intake and when I'm on the move when all I can see is a pret or you know a WH Smith where I can just go and buy a four pound protein bar. It's better off to just whack my boiled egg out my bag. And that is low calorie, but also high protein and stops those cravings. So in short, I've just blobbered on there. Boil some eggs. Get rid of the MCT oil and boil some eggs. And then lastly, Tim says, I took up running this year to lose some weight and I've fallen in love with it. However, I'm extremely self-conscious about how I look when I'm running and feel like people are judging me. How do I ever get this feeling? How do I get over this feeling as I am tempted to hang up my trainers as a result of it? Tim, honestly, nobody's looking at you. I promise you. How many times do you drive past people on the street or walk past people in the street and they're running towards you and... I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm so self-absorbed that I'm not thinking about how that person is running. It really doesn't matter to me. Or if they have a split-second thought, that then we're so overstimulated all the time that they are thinking about something else straight away. I promise you, promise you, I'm giving you a boost of self-confidence here. Nobody is looking at you. But also, I would suggest getting on some banging tunes, probably some heavy metal here and there, some drum and bass. Focus sunglasses on even if it's cloudy outside get some sunglasses on get your best gym wear on and just run for like forward focus forward thinking what am I saying like you know basically look into the distance as far as you can and ignore what's going on around you because you're never going to see these people ever again you're going to run past them that fast that you will never ever see them again it's like a blink of the eye and you're gone so I hope that helps you (laughs) we now actually to finish off this show we have a gorgeous giveaway so you might have seen on instagram on what the hell show instagram we have been giving away two gymshark vouchers of 100 quid each yeah yeah so the lucky winners as we announced them on today's show listen up guys if this is you make sure you drop us a message on what the hell show instagram dms we have lee Stephen rowe well done you have a hundred pound voucher coming your way and sean quirk make sure you drop us a message and guys if you also want to win a prize in the future make sure you are following us on what the hell show on instagram and good luck
for future giveaways. Thank you so much, guys. This show will be available to listen back on all good podcasting platforms. And I will see you next time at 1 p.m. Tuesday, Fubar Radio. Lots of love. Goodbye. Fubar Radio presents. Joining us now, we have uh, Mohammed Ali, author who is currently writing a book about India under Narendra Modi. Mr. Ali, thank you so much for joining us. And so I wondered if you could give us perspective to our listeners. What life is like for an Indian Muslim right now? Are they at risk of violence at any point in their life? So right now, uh, Muslims have stopped. They're, they're very cautious not to appear as Muslims in day-to-day lives. Uh, like they've stopped wearing skull caps, they've stopped eating meat in public spaces. And what has happened is that every idea uh, and everything associated with Muslims have been have been illegitimized and have been criminalized in India today. Every Thursday, Fubar Radio.